You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. And now, the Rowan Radio News Team. Good morning and welcome to the Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. I'm Allie Bruce with the Rowan Radio News Team. Some of this week's headlines include there was an explosion at the U.S.-Canada border, Israel and Hamas reach a ceasefire deal, and Kevin Bethel will serve as Philadelphia's new police commissioner. Here's your national news recap for the week of November 19th. There is no indication of terrorism after an explosion killed two people in a car that crashed at the U.S.-Canada Rainbow Bridge border crossing on Wednesday. All four bridges between Canada and the United States near Niagara Falls were closed immediately after the incident, according to the governor. The Peace, Whirlpool, and Lewiston-Queenston bridges reopened later Wednesday while the Rainbow Bridge remained closed. Investigators believe a man was traveling with his wife in a 2022 Bentley at a high rate of speed when the vehicle hit a curb, then a guardrail that sent the vehicle airborne into the secondary screening area of Rainbow Bridge, law enforcement sources told CNN. The man had plans to attend a KISS concert in Canada, but when that was canceled, the man went to a casino in the U.S. instead. The crash occurred sometime after the couple left the casino. Footage on social media and from surveillance cameras shows the remains strewn about with thick smoke and fire billowing. A Border Patrol employee in a booth also suffered minor injuries. Flags will be lowered to half-staff today as a mark of respect for the memory of former First Lady Rosalind Carter, the wife of former President Jimmy Carter, who died this week at age 96. She had previously been diagnosed with dementia in May of this year. Throughout her life as First Lady of Georgia and First Lady of the United States, Rosalind Carter exemplified hope, warmth, and steadfast commitment to doing all she could to address many of our society's greatest needs, President Biden said in a proclamation Monday, adding that Carter also fought for equal rights for women, was a mental health advocate, and a supporter of the often unseen and uncompensated caregivers of children, the elderly, and those with disabilities. As lawmakers in Washington weigh sending billions more in federal support to Kiev to help fight off Russian aggression, close to half of the U.S. public thinks the country is spending too much on aid to Ukraine, according to polling from the Associated Press. Those sentiments, driven primarily by Republicans, help explain the hardening opposition among conservative GOP lawmakers on Capitol Hill, who are rebuffing efforts from President Joe Biden to approve a new tranche of Ukraine aid, arguing that the money would be better spent for domestic priorities. The House Ethics Committee voted against opening an investigation into Representative Jamal Bowman for pulling a fire alarm in a House of Representatives building ahead of a critical vote in September to avert a government shutdown. The committee's decision comes just a few weeks after Bowman pleaded guilty to a misdemeanor charge in Washington, D.C. Since a majority of the House did not vote to launch an ethics investigation, lawmakers did not agree to establish an ISC or report to the House regarding Representative Bowman's conduct, according to a statement from the Ethics Committee. 
New Jersey Congressman Josh Gottenheimer is reacting to the hostages being released in Gaza following a ceasefire deal between Hamas and Israel. The northern New Jersey Democrat says while the deal represents important progress, the unfortunate reality is that the war is not over, reminding New Jersey residents that Hamas still holds hostages, including Americans. The deal would see at least 50 hostages captured by the militant Palestinian group released in exchange for 150 Palestinians held by Israel. The truce is supposed to last for at least four days. House Republicans issued a subpoena Tuesday to a federal prosecutor involved in the criminal investigation into Hunter Biden, demanding answers for what they allege is Justice Department interference in the years-long case into the president's son. Republican Representative Jim Jordan, chair of the House Judiciary Committee, called on Leslie Wolf, the assistant U.S. attorney for Delaware, to appear before the committee by December 7th, according to a copy of the congressional subpoena obtained by the Associated Press. The search efforts continue to try to find three people still missing in Wrangell, Alaska after a landslide Monday night. Three other people, two adults and a girl, were killed in the landslide. Ground teams with search dogs are working in the areas that state geologists determined were safe for entry. Drones are also searching from the air. The landslide remains active and unstable. The Alaska Department of Public Safety continues to ask people to stay out of the area. The historic South Carolina city of Charleston has elected its first Republican mayor since the Reconstruction era. William Cogswell, formerly a Republican state lawmaker, defeated incumbent Democratic Mayor John Tecklenburg by about two percentage points in Tuesday's runoff, according to the South Carolina Election Commission. Results posted online by the commission showed a 569-vote margin separating the two candidates. Cogswell had secured the most votes in the November 7th general election, but not a majority, meaning that he and Tecklenburg headed to Tuesday's runoff. Tecklenburg is a well-known figure in the state's Democratic politics, endorsing Joe Biden in South Carolina's pivotal 2020 presidential primary. Cogswell, who served three terms as a Republican in the state House and describes himself as a moderate, earned endorsements from others within South Carolina's GOP political circles, including Senator Tim Scott. Charleston last elected a Republican mayor in the 1870s, according to historical records from the city and other municipal areas. Republicans, including state GOP chairman Drew McKissick and U.S. Republican Russell Fry, who served in the state house with Cogswell, celebrated the GOP win in social media posts and statements. I'm Allie Bruce, and that was your national news. I'm Gavin Trutzenbach with your international news report. All three international stories today are coming from Reuters. Combat between Israeli troops and Hamas fighters halted on Friday for the first time in seven weeks, in a temporary truce ahead of the planned release of Israeli hostages held by the militants in exchange for jailed Palestinians. No big bombings, artillery strikes, or rocket attacks were reported, although Hamas and Israel both accused each other of sporadic shootings and other violations. Both said the war would resume on full throttle as soon as the truce was over. In Khan Yunus town in southern Gaza, streets filled with people venturing out of home and shelters into a landscape of buildings flattened into heaps of rubble. Displaced families with small children carried belongings in plastic bags, hoping to return at least temporarily to homes they had abandoned earlier in the war. Above northern Gaza's combat zone, viewed from across the fence in Israel, there was no sign of the warplanes that have thundered through the sky for weeks, explosions on the ground, or the contrails of Hamas rocket fire. Just one plume of smoke was visible in the early afternoon. Columns of Israeli tanks 
rolled away from the Gaza Strip's northern end, while aid trucks entered from Egypt at the southern end. The four-day ceasefire, which began at 7 a.m. local time, involves the release of 50 women and children hostages held by the fighters, in return for 150 Palestinian women and teenagers held in Israeli jails. The first 13 hostages and 39 Palestinians were due to be freed later on Friday. Israel says it could be extended beyond four days if more hostages are freed at a rate of at least 10 per day, and a Palestinian source has said up to 100 could ultimately go free. Additional aid is to flow into Gaza, which has been gripped by a humanitarian crisis under weeks of Israeli bombardment that has killed thousands of Palestinians. Hamas confirmed that all hostilities from its forces would cease, but Abu Ubaidah, spokesperson for Hamas's armed wing, later stressed that this was a temporary truce. In a video message, he called for an escalation of the confrontation on all resistance fronts, including the Israeli-occupied West Bank. Israeli Defense Minister Yoav Gallant vowed a similar return to fighting, saying, This will be a short pause, at the conclusion of which the war and fighting will continue with great might, and will generate pressure for the return of more hostages. Our second international story takes us to India. A tunnel which collapsed this month, trapping 41 workers in the Indian Himalayas, did not have an emergency exit and was built through a geological fault, a member of a panel of experts investigating the disaster said on Friday. Rescuers are still struggling to reach the construction workers 12 days after the three-mile tunnel caved in. The men, from some of India's poorest states, have been getting food, water, and medicine through a pipe. In the days that followed, the government asked a group of experts to investigate what went wrong, look into the construction of the tunnel in Uttarakhand state, and make recommendations for the future. Preliminary findings indicated the collapse may have been caused by a geological fault, known as a shear zone, a member of the panel told Reuters, speaking on condition of anonymity as he is not authorized to talk to the media. He added, there was also no escape passage, despite government guidelines recommending emergency exit for tunnels longer than a kilometer and a half. Once the rescue operations are over, we will conduct detailed investigations to find out loopholes in the construction, the panel member said. He declined to comment further before the full investigations were completed. The tunnel was being built by the state-run National Highways and Infrastructure Development Corporation, which is under India's Ministry of Road Transport and Highways. A ministry spokesperson who speaks on behalf of the company did not respond to a request for comment. The government said on Wednesday it had ordered the National Highways Authority of India, NHAI, to audit 29 tunnels being constructed across India. Himalayan geology is not as predictable as we generally think, NHAI member Vishal Chohan told reporters when asked on Friday if the government could have been better prepared for such an emergency. He added, There are multiple obstacles, and we are using the best technology to find solutions. Our third and final international story takes us to China, who will temporarily exempt citizens of France, Germany, Italy, the Netherlands, Spain, and Malaysia from needing visas to visit the world's second-largest economy, in a bid to give a boost to post-pandemic tourism. From December 1st to November 30th next year, citizens of those countries entering China for business, tourism, visiting relatives and friends, or transiting for no more than 15 days will not need a visa, a foreign ministry spokesperson said on Friday. China has been taking steps in recent months, including restoring international flight routes, to revive its tourism sector following three years of strict COVID-19 measures that largely shut its borders to the outside world. The government is also looking to re-establish its image around the world after clashing with many Western countries on various issues, including COVID, human rights, Taiwan, and trade. I'm Gavin Trutzenbach, and that was your International News Report. 
I'm Riley Adams with your local news. From Fox 29, Kevin Bethel, the chief of school safety in the school district of Philadelphia, was introduced Wednesday as the city's next police commissioner. Parker, who won the Philadelphia mayoral election earlier this month, previously told reporters she planned to name a new police commissioner by Thanksgiving. Bethel served over two decades in the city's police department, retiring as captain and deputy commissioner of patrol operations in 2016. He was hired by the school district of Philadelphia in 2019 and has become a visible fixture focus on safety amid a gun violence crisis in the city. Bethel wanted his time away from the department for providing him with an invaluable perspective on how gun violence is impacting Philadelphia communities, especially children. Bethel also addressed issues like violent crime, the Kensington opioid crisis, and alarming shortage of more than 800 cops on the street. Bethel acknowledged interim police commissioner John Stanford, who has been holding the role since former police commissioner Daniel Outlaw resigned in September. Bethel said he plans to offer Stanford a position within his administration. Stanford, who was elevated to commissioner after serving as first deputy commissioner under Outlaw, helped lead the department through challenging times in his short stint, including the deadly shooting of a police officer at Philadelphia International Airport and two days of looting in Philadelphia. Bethel's appointment won't take effect until January, when Mayor-elect Parker begins her four-year tenure. From 6ABC, the all-clear was given after the American Dream Mall in East Rutherford, New Jersey, was temporarily evacuated on Black Friday while the police investigated a bomb threat. Governor Phil Murphy said that New Jersey State Police were investigating the threat after the mall opened early 7 a.m. for holiday shopping. All customers, tenants, and employees were asked to evacuate the building out of an abundance of caution before 8.30 a.m. They were told not to use elevators. Just after 9.15 a.m., an updated emergency alert was sent to cell phones saying the situation was resolved and the facility was now safe. Witnesses on the scene said the evacuation was confusing but was orderly and there was no chaos. American Dream said in a statement it was, quote, non-credible threat and the evacuation was out of an abundance of caution. Governor Murphy said they will remain vigilant to ensure everyone stays safe this holiday season. The American Dream is the second biggest mall in America, and Friday is expected to be one of the busiest shopping days of the year. From NBC10, police are investigating after a man was shot and killed in Philadelphia early Friday morning. According to police, officers responded to the 5600 block of King Sessing Avenue at 2.50 a.m. after reports of a person with a gun. Upon arrival, officers found a 45-year-old man suffering from a gunshot wound to his face, police said. Police said the man was transported to the hospital, where he was pronounced dead at 3.05 a.m. No arrests have been made in this case, and the investigation is active and ongoing with the Homicide Detective Division, according to police. From CBS 3. An attempted home invader was killed by a homeowner in a City Avenue apartment in Philadelphia's Overbrook section Thursday night. Police said the attempted home invader forced entry into the apartment and was shot one time in the head. Police responded to 6100 City Avenue and pronounced the suspect dead at 7.15 p.m. Two firearms were recovered. From ABC 7, New Jersey First Lady Tammy Murphy made her first public appearance Monday since announcing her run for U.S. Senate last week. Murphy was at University Hospital Newark for a maternal and infant health roundtable discussion. There, she announced legislation that would guarantee patients have the legal right to doulas during pregnancy. The bill will also require medical facilities to post their doula policies online. The announcement came on the same day as four House Democrats, Representative Frank Pallone, Donald Norcross, Bill Pesquerel, and Donald Payne, endorsed Murphy's Senate campaign, joining Representative John Govenheimer, who announced his support last week. In her first public comment since announcing she was entering the Democratic primary, Murphy said she was, quote, implored to run by many across the state. She insisted she will not lean on her husband for support. Murphy said U.S. Senator Bob Menendez is facing, quote, really serious allegations, and he does not have the moral authority to comment on her deciding to run for his seat. After Murphy announced her run, Menendez, who has not announced his own intentions, issued a scathing statement. Murphy said Menendez, quote, has done really good things for New Jersey, no question, but these are serious allegations. Murphy said she is running for Senate because she is concerned with the future of the democracy. She cited two wars, mass shootings, and abortion rights. I'm Riley Adams, and that was your local news. 
I'm Aiden Doherty with your Rowan News. Opioid pain relievers such as oxycodone and morphine bind to specific receptors in our central and peripheral nervous systems and in simple terms, turn off the pain. However, they also send signals to slow down or stop breathing. They can be addictive, especially when used to treat chronic pain. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, this deadly combination is responsible for more than 100,000 deaths per year in the United States. Bradford Fisher, an associate professor of bio medical sciences at Cooper Medical School of Rowan University and fellow researcher Thomas Keck, an associate professor of chemistry and biochemistry in the College of Science and Mathematics, are looking for ways to effectively manage pain without the dangerous and sometimes deadly side effects. Developing safer drug combinations to treat pain may be the answer. The gold standard of what we're looking for is an equally effective pain relieving drug that does not have abuse potential and has fewer side effects than delivering opioids alone, said Fisher. Deaths involving Prescription opioids continue to rise, said Voki Popristic, the Dean of College of Science and Mathematics and the School of Earth and Environment. Doctors Fisher and Keck are thinking outside the box, which is exactly what we need. Tickets are now available for the 5th Annual National Dog Show Therapy Dog Symposium at Rowan University. A day-long event Friday, December 8th for therapy dog handlers, healthcare experts, researchers, and people who simply love dogs. The program from 10.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. takes place in partnership with the National Dog Show, which was nationally broadcasted following the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade on NBC. It will be co-hosted by National Dog Show host David Free and Michelle Pitch, Assistant Director of Rowan's Schreiber Family Pet Therapy program. This event began in 2019. The symposium returns to the Ainon Ballroom in the Chamberlain Student Center on Rowan Glassboro's campus as a hybrid in-person slash virtual event. Tickets are $65 in person, including lunch, $60 for veterans and senior citizens, $35 to attend virtually, and $25 for students. Anyone interested in animal-assisted therapy, from working therapists, educators, and students, to dog owners seeking a deeper understanding of canine behavior, may attend the symposium. Symposium. I'm Aiden Doherty, and that was your Rowan News. That does it for the first half of the Rowan Report, wrapping up this week's national, international, and local news. We are going to take a quick break. Up next, we have your weekly sports, business, and entertainment news. Stay tuned right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Welcome back to the Rowan Report. I'm Allie Bruce, along with the Rowan Radio News Team. I'm Jack Miller for the Rowan Report with your news from the professional sports world. I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving holiday, and you might have seen that three football games came along with it. The Packers versus the Lions, the Commanders versus the Cowboys, and then the 49ers versus the Seahawks. The Packers and Lions played first at 12:30, and this game was not what people were expecting. Jordan Love led Green Bay to a 29-22 victory, throwing for 268 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. The Lions burned the turkey as they dropped to an 8-3 record and lost their last six games on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. The Packers keep their playoff hopes alive in the win as they now have a 5-6 record. Moving 1,000 miles south to Dallas, Texas, the Cowboys took on their divisional rival of the Washington Commanders and blew them out of the water, winning 45-10. If you thought Jordan Love's Thanksgiving plate was impressive, listen to Dak Prescott's. 331 yards, 4 touchdowns, and no interceptions in their 5th straight home win. This 45-10 win is the largest on Thanksgiving by Dallas since 1980, but that's not the only history that was made. Cornerback Deron Bland 
Ryan had a 63-yard pick six to cap off the game, which was pick six number five for Bland this season, which is most by a single player in a single season. The most pick sixes in a career is 12 by Rod Woodson. The Commanders fired their defensive coordinator, Jack Del Rio, following the loss and the 4-8 and eight season so far. At 8-20, the 49ers traveled up north to Seattle to battle the Seahawks for first place in the NFC West. The 49ers were not phased by the 12th man at all and took care of business on both sides of the ball in the 31-13 victory. Christian McCaffrey was the star Thanksgiving night as he ran for 114 yards and had two servings of rushing touchdowns and also five receptions for 25 yards. The defense really earned their dinner and dessert while they only allowed seven points and forced two turnovers. San Fran gave themselves a little cushion in the division as they are now 8-3 on the season and Seattle drops to two games behind them with a 6-5 record. Switching over to Rowan Sports, the men's and women's basketball team both took on Stockton and both lost this past Tuesday in their NJAC openers with the women with a low-scoring 48-40 loss. Nicole Mallard led the charge for the Pros with a game-high 17 points. The women's team could not handle the ball well as they had 24 turnovers and couldn't find the bottom of the basket shooting 3-for-24 from beyond the arc. The men's team had a low-scoring loss compared to their first few games of the season, losing to Stockton 76-73. Marcellus Ross was on fire with 25 points, making all eight of his baskets from three-point land, shooting 8-for-16 from downtown. The Profs got out-rebounded 51-41 to to the Ospreys, which led to the three-point loss in their home opener. The men have the Christopher Newport University Holiday Inn Invitational down in Newport News, Virginia, as they will take on Mary Washington later today at 2, and Christopher Newport tomorrow at 4. The women's next game will be on Monday, as Gwen and Mercy will come to the borough. Tip-off will be at 7. All three of these games will be broadcasted live here on Roan Radio 89.7, WGLS-FM, so be sure to tune in when they tip off. Again, I'm Jack Miller for the Roan Report with your news from the professional sports world. I'm Megan Steckler with your Roan Report business update. Wall Street is opening with stocks mixed. The majors are aiming for their fourth straight winning week. This would mark the longest winning week for the NASDAQ and S&P 500 since June and since April for the Dow Jones Industrial Average. At the closing bell, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was trading higher while the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ were down. It's the busiest shopping weekend of the year, and new research tells us who's getting their shop on. Bree Tennis with more. The National Retail Federation says 182 million people will get their shop on today, and if you're doing it, odds are you're a millennial. 27 to 42-year-olds will account for over 40% of in-store shopping and 45% of online sales this holiday weekend. Gen X, those 43 to 58, will make up 29% of sales, and Gen Z, those 18 to 24, 30 I'm Bree Tennis. Thanksgiving dinner is costing less this year. Phil Hewlett reports. According to the American Farm Bureau Federation, families will pay about $3 less for their meals this year, but it is still $8 more than it was in 2021. Many grocery stores are running specials on things like pies, sweet potatoes, and stuffing. And Farm Bureau statistics show an overall decline of about 5.5% for the price of turkey. I'm Phil Hewlett. Sam Altman is returning as CEO of OpenAI. Altman was fired unexpectedly last Friday as head of the ChatGPT company, shocking the tech industry. The move triggered hundreds of OpenAI employees to sign a letter threatening to leave and join Altman at Microsoft unless the company's board members resigned. Now, OpenAI has released a statement saying they have reached an agreement in principle for Altman to return as CEO, and they are collaborating to figure out the details. I'm Megan Steckler, and this has been your Business News Report. 
I'm Sam DeChuchis with your entertainment news. Brazilian officials are investigating the company behind Taylor Swift's shows in Rio de Janeiro after a fan died during the Eras tour. Authorities in Rio de Janeiro are looking into the company Time for Fun and the crime of endangering the health and life of concertgoers. Officials say the investigation is not connected to the fan's death and event organizers will be called to testify. A young woman died during Friday's show where fans complained of limited access to water in the sweltering heat, which reached a height index of 138 degrees Fahrenheit in the stadium. Swift has three more shows this weekend in Sao Paulo, and fans will be allowed to bring sealed water bottles and some food into the venue. Sean Diddy Combs is being hit with a lawsuit by a woman who claims he drugged and sexually assaulted her in 1991. She filed the suit in the New York Supreme Court on Thursday, claiming she was in college when the rapper drugged her during dinner and later raped her. The lawsuit also alleges Combs recorded the assault on video and shared it with others. This is the third suit filed in the past week against Combs or one of his companies that accuses him of sexual abuse. The last four members of BTS have started their mandatory South Korean military service. This week, the band's label released a statement informing their dedicated fan base of the news. They wrote, We ask you for your continued love and support for RM, Jimin, V, and Jungkook until they complete their military service and safely return. Our company will spare no effort in providing support for our artists. This means that all seven members of BTS are either currently serving in the South Korean military or are in the process of enlisting. The group has announced they will reunite after finishing their time in the military. Actress Daisy Ridley is talking about reprising her role as Rey in a new Star Wars film. During an interview with Collider, the actress said she's waiting to read a script and says the plot of the film is unexpected but exciting. This will be the first Star Wars feature film since The Rise of Skywalker in 2019. The new film will be directed by Miss Marvel's Charmaine Obeid Chinoy, from a script written by Stephen Knight, who's known for the British drama series Peaky Blinders. The untitled film has previously been said to follow the events of Rise of Skywalker and focus on Rey as she builds a new Jedi Order. KISS guitarist Paul Stanley is apologizing to fans in Ottawa and Toronto after the band had to cancel their final two dates in Canada. Pictured in bed and hooked up to an IV, Stanley posted on social media that his bout with the flu made it impossible to perform the shows this past Tuesday and Wednesday. There was no word on the status of the remainder of the band's farewell tour, which is set to wrap up on December 2nd in Madison Square Garden. KISS is scheduled to play Friday in Nashville. The former record executive who helped launch the careers of Linkin Park, Coldplay, and many others has died. Phil Cordoraro served as president of Warner Brothers Records and EMI Records during his career. Phil Q, as he was known, was instrumental in helping prevent the music business from getting wiped out in the early 2000s by MP3s, digital piracy, and free music-sharing websites. Other acts he helped launch include Paula Abdul, The Spice Girls, and Nora Jones. Cordoraro died of pancreatic cancer Wednesday in Los Angeles. He was 67. I'm Sam DeChugis, and that was your entertainment news. And that wraps up this week's edition of the Roan Report here on Roan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. For the Roan Radio News Team, I'm Allie Bruce. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. Be sure to join us every Saturday morning at 9.30 for another edition of The Rowan Report, exclusively here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM.